millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually... Your skin. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. Welcome to a mellow evening edition of Adrift. It is the evening, yes. It is. We usually record it mid-morning and uh, tonight we've got a mellow evening vibe. When you say mellow, do you just mean tired? Yes, re- really. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so here we are. It's, it's a Monday. A podcast comes out on a Wednesday and it's all kind of crazy in the news today. It's, it seems like the country is falling apart. It's one of those days. You know, we have quite a lot of them mm. at the moment. And... Um, so, so that's that's kind of depressing, but far worse than that yeah. is the thing that I've been coming to terms with over the past few days, which is that Jack and Danny from this oh. year's Love Island have split up. What is love if their love can't last? Yeah, what is love, baby don't hurt me? Exactly. My phone just went ding. I don't even know why. <laughs> it's protesting yeah. the fact that you're mentioning Love Island. Maybe Siri's going to tell me what is love. Oh, maybe, yeah. But I really believed in them. I did too. I really thought love ran true and, you know, it, it gave me hope for the future. Mm. And I feel like I wasted however many months I was watching that show for. Mm-mm. Like throughout it, I thought, you know, that theirs was the real thing. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah. And now what, Annabelle? What am I supposed to believe in? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Megan and Wes. <laughs> <laughs> refused to i mean why couldn't they have waited until after christmas to tell us they could have waited a bit longer couldn't they i agree it's been a rough year for people and and i just don't think we need news like that as a country Mm. before christmas we We, we, want to try and enjoy the season and i'm not sure if i'll be able to now (laughs) i texted you to tell you i was so pleased you didn't already know (laughs) i was so pleased to be the one to break the news well it better still i was at a party and i got to tell loads of people who didn't know (laughs) It was amazing. Oh, that is good, yeah. I felt like I had insider information when really it's just you. I can't remember who it was, but I was at a party once and somebody very famous died mm. and I got to be the person to tell people at the party. Because, you, you know, oh. you worry about what your small talk is. Yeah, oh, I had some. And I sort of looked at it on Twitter on my way in yeah. and it was downstairs so nobody had got reception mm-hmm. and phone signal. Great. So I got to, it was great. Every person. I just love going into, I mean, I don't love going into a party full stop, mm. but if I am... I love going in armed with a bit of conversation I can use over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a bit of a prop, yeah. Uh, I'm getting a Christmas tree on Wednesday. 
Wednesday, I've got it booked in the diary for you. Wednesday, well, Christmas tree. You know, the reason I know it's Wednesday yeah. is the place we get it from, it's a car park in front of a church right. and it's a 10-minute walk from here. We don't have a car, so we have to carry the Christmas tree back right. and my wife and I need to do it together. Uh, so there's an element of making an appointment to yep, be done. Yep, yep. Um, but the, the worst thing about it is <laughs> I have to carry the heavy end of the tree. Of course you do. But my wife is stronger than I am. Is she? Yes. Yeah, she's physically stronger than I am. Then she should carry the heavy end. No, I won't let her do that. <laughs> you don't want him to be seen. Yeah, I don't care about, like, I don't, it's nothing. It's not chivalry on my part. It's mm. not like, darling, let me take the heavy end of the tree. Mm. It's I don't want other people thinking I'm the sort of person who would let his wife carry the heavy end of the tree. But do you wonder how many people heard you say that you both had to go and get the tree and they thought, Jeff, could you not just get it on your own? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that your wife's even helping, will be people will be judging you. So. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, just something I wanted to mention very quickly. It's a little social dilemma that I found myself in enough times that I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, now, I enjoy a polo, mm. the mint with the hole. Mm-hmm. For our American listeners, I think they're called lifesavers over there. Okay. Uh, do you do you enjoy a polo yourself? Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it was a very lukewarm response to a I polo. They're all right. It's not not my favourite sweet. But do you, do you like a mint? I like a Bendix bitter mint. I'm not talking about like an after dinner like chocolatey <laughs> deluxe mint. Right, right. I'm talking about like a mento. I love a Mentos. A, a, ment- a Mento. Yeah, yeah, Mentos. Yeah, yeah a ment- one Mento, many Mentos. Mentos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I, I, I like I like having polos with me. Yeah. So and often I'll be with. So, are you yawning? Are you finding this boring? <laughs> I swear it was not yawning. Why are you finding me was... talk droning on about polos, boring on about? I swear. What is it about this conversation that you're not finding scintillating? It's <laughs> not yawning. I promise. Right. So I, I generally got a packet of polos in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm with somebody. I'll get my polos out, mm-hmm. and then I think, oh, I should offer them one because it's rude not to. Yeah. But every time you offer somebody a polo, or any mint for that matter of fact, they go, oh my God, do I need one? Uh, people get paranoid. They get paranoid about their bad breath. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I don't want to make people feel paranoid about their bad breath. Mm-mm. So what am I supposed to do? Oh, it's very hard. Just take the polo and eat it myself? No, because then that looks rude. Is it's a lose-lose situation. If I was to carry a, a box of luxury, what they call Bendix, Bendix bitter mints, that they wouldn't have this problem. Nobody thinks you're giving <laughs> those away to help with halitosis. <laughs> no, and also, you, would you have to afford it? You no see the pro- price of them. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Your stories, then, if you mm. haven't shared yours with us yet, we'd love you to. Uh, Annabelle went to the ACAST Christmas party, yeah. and ACAST are the people who sort out all the adverts for the programme. They're, gr- they're great people. I I wanted to go to this party, but I developed a hacking cough the day before, and I was doing some work on the BBC, and I didn't want to ruin my voice by sort of coughing and shouting loudly at a party with loud music. Yeah, yeah. Now, I am the sort of person who um, who is looking for an excuse to get out of a party generally. <laughs> yes. But I was quite looking forward to this one. Okay. But nobody believes me. No, of course not. No, Because no. I am the boy who cried wolf. There's nothing you can say. No. You just not believe. Sorry. But anyway, were people telling you their stories at the at the party? Yeah, and they've been promising to send them in, so hopefully they will, yeah. Yeah, but um, that, that's them. 
And if you have a story and you would like to share it with us, this is because this is the bit of the show that people always want to talk to us about. I mean, that's why I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd love to hear yours, please. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This first one is from Regal Count Andy. I hope that you enjoy this story. Perhaps knowing that the experience has brought some joy to people will help my toes uncurl from the position they've been stuck in for the past 12 years. When my girlfriend, now wife, and I moved in together for the first time, we drafted in our families to help with the move. Our new place was lovely, albeit slightly dilapidated, top floor flat that needed a lot of cleaning, decorating and unpacking to make it habitable. So this was an all day job for everyone. We became increasingly concerned as the day wore on about the soundproofing of the building and the extent to which my new neighbours cared about the cleanliness of their home. They had been running the hoover constantly for most of the afternoon and the noise was really beginning to grate on everyone's already stressed nerves. Around dinner time, my mother and I moved to start to unpack some of the clothes in the bedroom. My mum noticed that the noise was louder in here and started to investigate. I don't think that noise is coming from downstairs after all. I think it's coming from somewhere in here, she said with a tone that told me she was not going to be satisfied until this mystery was resolved. It was in that moment that I realised the full horror of the situation. The noise was not a hoover. Uh, the noise was coming from the special bag. Uh, you know the one. Uh, the bag that you make sure only you or your significant other unpacks and which we had hastily <laughs> thrown into the bedside unit earlier in the day, apparently accidentally turning it on in the process. Uh, I vaulted across the room as <laughs> mum was zeroing in on the source. I opened the drawer of the unit by the smallest margin possible to allow my hand to enter and started to smack randomly at things within it. <laughs> like a crazed whack-a-mole game in the hopes of silencing the perpetrator. Thankfully and unbelievably, this strategy was successful after a few seconds and I quickly closed the drawer and said, "Mm, it seems to have stopped. What was it? My mum asked in a blissfully naive wave. Oh, I'm not sure. Should we make a start on the kitchen? And quickly ushered her out. She didn't query it further. So either, one, she pieced together what had gone down and decided that it was not a conversation she wished to pursue. Or two, she thinks I was so uninterested in the world around me that strange vibrating noises coming from somewhere in my home is not something that would cause me concern or require me to investigate. I am not sure which is worse. Oh, that's so oh, so good. Dear. I mean, the the go to excuse is uh, electric toothbrush. If you ever find yourself in that situation, yeah, yeah, you yeah. must remember that. If there's ever a next time, mm. I hope there's not. Okay, on to Tom Baker. Not that one. I used to live in a five way house share. As you pointed out, there is always one sharer who, for mysterious reasons, never seems to actually be in the house. We definitely had one of those. This guy, James, was marginally older than the rest of us and had lived in the house the longest. He was incredibly involved in the finding a new housemate process whenever someone moved out and we needed to find a replacement. James had written an extensive and slightly eccentric list of all the criteria a new housemate had to meet. This included a minimum time spent living in London, an up-to-date criminal record check and a no-bulky personal possessions. (laughs) But once the contract had been signed, he essentially disappeared. I'm not one for living a particularly wild lifestyle, especially during the week, so I tended to be in the house most evenings. I swear in the two years I lived there, I never saw him make any food. Our living space was attached to the kitchen, so there is no way he was making food on the sly. Perhaps twice he had a friend round who cooked for him, but that was it. No takeaways either. Did he eat out every evening? Did he just not eat? We never found out. 
Anyway, one time the washing machine in the house had broken. We were discussing the arrangements for getting the plumber round in the house WhatsApp and James popped up with a message saying that he'd fixed it himself. One of the few personal details that I did know about him is that he was a full-time teacher. The message was sent in the middle of the day during the week. As a teacher myself, this only added to the intrigue surrounding the man. Teachers at my school would never get time off work to go home and fix a washing machine. Bemused, I screenshotted his message and sent it to my girlfriend, also a teacher, with the caption, He's at home on a weekday. Who even is this guy? I didn't think any more of it and went about my day. It was only later in the evening when I checked my phone and saw that I had had a message from James. It read... I was actually on a training course and went home for lunch. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> Horror washed over me. Mixed with a certain amount of confusion caused by his passive aggressive kissing. Double checking my WhatsApp confirmed my worst fears. I had sent the screenshot back to the house WhatsApp. <laughs> I quickly replied with a, aha, only joking. And then did my best to avoid him for the next few weeks. Thankfully, not a difficult task. <laughs> All right, and uh, one more? Yes, and this is from Andrew McKenzie. When I was in middle school, seventh grade, we had an assignment to write some short stories. Later, we were required to read them out as some sort of punishment, I assume since nobody ever wants to read anything aloud to their class. I completely forget what mine was about, but I vaguely remember part of a class classmates for reasons that will become apparent. Part of his story included the line with many organisms strewn about the room in jars. I imagine he was describing some sort of laboratory. My teacher was an elderly lady who didn't quite understand this sentence. With what? Organisms strewn about the room in jars. Wait, what's strewn about the room? Organisms. At this point, I start to become very impatient, a trait I've managed to keep since childhood. What's in the jars? Orgasms! I shout impatiently and at the top of my lungs. The room goes silent. I'm only vaguely aware of what an orgasm is at this point in my life, but I know enough that the room starts to fade a bit as the adrenaline surges through my body. The look on my teacher's face is sufficient to confirm that I just shouted something both very inappropriate and embarrassing out in front of the entire class. The laughter that follows is only the icing on the cake. I don't remember anything after that. I probably just sunk into my chair and pretended I didn't exist. But all hope of moving on was destroyed <laughs> as I spent the remainder of the school year being called Orgasm Boy by the entire class. I mean, this is exactly the sort of thing we're after if you have a memory that still makes you cringe, even if it was from when you were a child. Yeah. Uh, this this type of thing is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, messages sent in error is always good oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one weird housemate. <laughs> one weird housemate, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so please share your story with us, one weird housemate. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. If you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. Annabelle, like our last correspondent, Andrew, mm, mm, mm. Uh, you have an assignment to write a short story. <laughs> yes, I do, yes. Every week. Yes, uh, yes. What's it about this week? So I'm going to talk about bits. Not, bits. not doing bits. Don't be so disgusting. <laughs> not a Love Island contestant yet. <laughs> I mean, ever. I've come to terms with it now. But Do they have an overs category? <laughs> One year they'll they'll let older people in, I'm sure of it, just to mix things up a bit. I'm sure of it. Okay. But it's gonna I'm talking about the bits involved in doing bits. What my dad might call the rude bits. 
Although in our house growing up, it was Willie and Fanny. I think they're the most common ones, aren't they? Yes. Were they the same in your house? Uh, No, they weren't. Oh, go on. (laughs) Uh, uh, My penis, I had to call my tail. Okay. And vaginas just weren't spoken of. (laughs) That didn't exist. No. It's just the tail and nothing yeah. else. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, some people do have weird ones. Um, someone we know, it was the Janet. The ladies' one <laughs> yes. was the Janet, wasn't it? My friend, she was told to call it her dressing table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do wonder why we don't just go with penis and vagina. Like Th- That's what I, I will be doing as a parent. Really? I yeah, I think so. Let's keep it biological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every other body part doesn't get a special different word. <laughs> I mean, I suppose there are ones that stem from the word, like you've got tummy, mm. and that's pretty much the same, isn't it? Mm. And leggy peggy, that might just be me. <laughs> pandies, that might just be me. Is it pandies? Your pandies, Pans. your hands. Yeah. No. Put, put your pandies through the sleeve. No? Okay. Right. Anyway, I'm leading up to a very embarrassing story that I have been putting off telling. But I'm running out and getting desperate. And it's set at Christmas time, so here we go. Okay. So, I I actually can't believe I'm doing this one. It's a primary school concert. Christmas concert. Must have been about six or seven, maybe eight. I don't know. I'm going to go with younger. And it was kind of a big deal concert and it wasn't at the school. There'd been a larger hall hired to accommodate not just parents, but all of the family and any members of the community wanted to go. You know, there was a lot of people there. And we were singing all the big carols away in a manger, silent night in the bleak midwinter. I was looking forward to doing the descant of O Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not a solo though, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the hall looking quite magical, twinkly lights and a big Christmas tree. I think it's very possible that I had a piece of tinsel around my head, but I might be getting mixed up with another memory. And I went up on the stage with my class and I sang my little heart out. And I just think there's something so lovely about really belting out a song, but in the safe confines of a group so your voice isn't identifiable. (laughs) And I was excited about Christmas and my mum and my sister in the audience. I remember feeling feeling proud. Mm. So when the concert finished... And I saw my mum, I ran towards her, all giddy and happy, but she looked furious and she grabbed my arm and pulled me towards her and then hissed through gritted teeth into my ear. You were touching yourself throughout the whole concert. I was (laughs) so embarrassed. Oh my God. I mean, there was no doubt as to where I've been touching myself. And I now know that is quite a normal thing to do. You know, kids do that thing very innocently. And of course, it is disgusting and immoral (laughs) and wrong, but it's also very normal. And I had no idea at all that I've been doing it. Like, it must have been a comfort thing. Like, perhaps I've been more nervous Mm. about going on stage than I realised. And even when she said it, I wasn't like, oh, right, yeah, I have been doing that. I had no memory of even doing it (laughs) afterwards. And it's only now that I've thought about it from my mum's perspective, like having to sit there for an hour watching her daughter do that up on stage in front of about 100 people, <laughs> like a weird deviant child. <laughs> to be clear, this was over the clothes. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't clear. It wasn't that bad. But I think this is why Noel Coward sang, don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs Worthington. And who can blame him? This is your favourite programme, Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Just before we began recording today's podcast, we uh, wrote out a couple of Christmas cards mm. for our Patreon 
subscribers. Yeah. What what level do you have to be at to get a Christmas card? It's uh, well, you get a card if you're twenty dollars or more, and some requested Christmas because you can have any kind of card you want. That's amazing to me that some people are contributing twenty dollars in a month. I know it's so amazing. I thank you it. to you, and then thank you to you if you you know con- con- contribute one dollar a month, or you know it's it's all very gratefully received, very. and you get these different perks. Also, I I think. This year, I've added... Well, it's not, I think, I know. This year, I've added something to my Christmas card repertoire. Oh, yeah. So usually, I just write in a Christmas card, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Okay. And then this year, I've started writing, so this is Christmas, dot, dot, dot. Like the John (laughs) Lennon song. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I've doubled, doubled my repertoire. Yeah. Um, I've told this story before. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast or not, but it's... um, it is excruciating, so it belongs here. Not long after my wife and I first got together, in fact, it was the year we got engaged, so it was probably a couple of years after we were together, but her whole family came over here for Christmas. We had Christmas in Scotland and a few days in London before we went up there. And because of my job at the radio show, I had some good contacts at Abbey Road Studios where you can't go as a member of the public. It's not somewhere you can pay to have a tour. Mm. But I uh, I was sort of quite friendly with a woman called Colette who used to run it. So I got in touch with it and said, would you mind giving my in-laws a, a tour of Abbey Road Studios? She said, no problem. So we turn up on this Friday morning and we get the full tour you know we see studio two which is 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 ground zero for beatles fans it's the the sacred it's the it's the holy of holies it's where the beatles recorded it's just drenched in atmosphere i mean it smells a bit like an old church hall but that's part of it I mean, it's magical place so we got to go in there and then we got shown through to studio three which beatles did like plenty of stuff in there as well but it's a much smaller studio and when we went in there uh, Colette says, oh, to, to the people working the engineers, she said, why don't you tell them what you're working on? They said, oh, we're doing, we're remastering some John Lennon songs. Uh, there's there's a DVD coming out of his greatest hits with videos put to it. So we're making sure the music sounds really, really good and cleaned up for that. They said, um, would, would you like to see one? So he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Then they're like, what would you like to see? And nobody wants to say know what I mean? Because there's a few of us, nobody wants to shout out. And and Colette, who worked at Abbey Road, sensing this, said, oh, let me choose one. She gets the DVD box. She said, oh, we should have this because it's Christmas. And she gets them to play Happy Christmas, War is Over. So this is Christmas. Right. So they press play in the studio. It booms out over the studio speakers, sounding amazing. And at the same time, they show the video that they've synced it up to. Mm -hmm. Now... There was no video to this song at the time. So it's a new one that Yoko Ono has put together for this DVD. Right. And it is harrowing footage of children in war zones. Oh, no. (laughs) Wow. Like, just, I mean, horrific stuff, as bad as you can imagine. Wow. Yeah, like, because it's hammering a point home. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's saying, you know, war is over. This is an important message. But... You know, I've gone for this cheerful, festive oh, day no, out with my no. in-laws and we all have to sit there in silence listening to this song whilst watching the most unsettling footage of children. Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> was there any reference to it? No, because, no. because you know, and it, that song goes on. I don't know how long it is, but, I mean, it felt like it was seven hours <laughs> long. Get, sorry, we don't we No, don't no, because no, nobody wanted so... to go, oh, yeah, this isn't very festive. Really like just war. all had to sit there. <laughs> oh, so that, that was something. Um, why did I even get onto that? I don't know. Do you think I should have got onto it with hindsight? <laughs> Where did it come from? I don't know. Oh, I was saying that I'm now writing, so this is Christmas, oh, Christmas and Christmas cards. cards. Yeah. Uh, anyway, which is, we can circle back around to Patreon from there, can't yes. we? Um, if you are a Patreon supporter, look out over the next few days. We are going to record our Christmas video. Did we say next week or the week we after? Don't, no, we're doing it next week. In front yeah, of my Christmas tree. Yeah, next because you're getting a tree on Wednesday. Yeah, so we yeah, can't so, do yeah, it yeah. Um, so keep your eye out on your messages. Yeah. Over the next few days, because we'll be letting you know what we're doing oh. and and what we what might, we might need some questions, maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, so keep an eye out. Yep. And if you think, oh, I'd like to see that Christmas video, mm. this Christmas extravaganza. Oh, extravaganza is the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be. I mean, it'll go down in history like the Morecambe and Wise ones. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, support us on Patreon. Patreon.com Stroke Adrift. Form an orderly bubble, and off we go. Adrift. I am a Christmas card sender. Yeah. And uh, I'm quite fussy about cards generally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will often spend too much money on them. I'll get like daft handmade screen printed <laughs> ones. Mm. You know, I, I take far too much time in it, uh, on it. And this this weekend, and it's only the 8th and 9th of December this weekend just gone. So this is very early for me because I usually leave it to the last minute. Uh, I made a decision about this year's Christmas cards. And it wasn't, I'm not going to send Christmas cards. It was this year, instead of spending hours, if not days, going around tiny shops looking for artisanal Christmas cards, yeah, yeah. I am going to send charity ones. Okay. Because I feel that will make people think I'm a really decent person. Great guy. Yeah. yeah the yeah. thing, he's the sort of guy who sends charity cards. Great guy. When, that, that is a mark of a good person. Yep. Is, is what I was thinking the people receiving. <laughs> I was like imagining it. I was imagining them getting a the card and thinking, oh, who's this from? And then say Jeff. And then turning it around, it's got the name of some charity on the back. Mm. And they're just going, that man... The good he does in this world. What a great guy. Not as good as last year's card, but great, great guy. <laughs> right. So I make this decision and <laughs> I'm, I'm out on the high street and I think I'll just pop into a charity shop mm. and, uh, and, and buy a load of Christmas cards. So I go into the charity shop and I go to the rack where they have the Christmas cards to support this particular charity. Yeah. I look at them. Yeah. The designs are just awful. <laughs> I mean, they're just not... Not nice looking cards. Right. I mean, you've got very high taste as well. Like, you know, I've got very good standards. taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going to another charity shop, same yeah. thing. Really? Yeah. Went to three different charity shops, all the designs of these. And by, <laughs> by the time I got to the third one, it wasn't even a charity that I was that bothered about, really. The first one was one I was interested in supporting. Yeah, the second yeah. one, I'm thinking, oh, this is a good cause. The third one, I'm thinking, I mean, is this going to reflect that well on me? <laughs> really? <laughs> But it's a charity, so it'll do. Yeah. And in the end, I, I just gave up and thought, I'll, I'll, I'll just um, put your fancy ones. Yeah, I think I'll go get fancy ones three days before Christmas. Get same your fancy as ones usual. and write Oxfam on the back <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but but excuse, sorry about the cough. That's right. See, it's, it's back. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But what I want to ask is, does this make me a bad person? 
I find not the cough, the Christmas card stuff. <laughs> I find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> Try and convince myself that I am in fact a good person. I thought I would ask the least scrupulous person I know. This is the guy we've mentioned before who once dumped Annabelle on her birthday at her birthday party. And if that wasn't enough evidence, he's also a uh, producer of reality TV. It's my friend John Connerty. I get, I get the idea. You want to look like a a nice man who thinks. Yeah, exactly. Charity. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, good, what's good is what you're not doing, because you could be a great man and a great dad by dressing up Gene as a reindeer or an ounce and putting his picture on the front of a 50 print run and then sending that out to your friends and then putting your do, do child... Do people not and... find that a bit annoying, though, when yeah. you send out pictures of your child? Yeah. Like, you think, you know, my, my, my child is infinitely interesting to me and almost not inter- interesting at all to anybody else is, is the sort of understanding of it that I have. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So I think it's good that you have chosen not to, not to do that because the, the net result would be, if everybody did that, that at Christmas you'd have 50 baby pictures on your, on your mantelpiece, which would look... <laughs> Other people's ter- Which would look terrifying. I think. Yeah, 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 it absolutely would. Yeah. So, so anyway, so long story short, I end up not buying charity Christmas cards because I don't think they're aesthetically pleasing right. because it is more important to me yeah. that people think I have good taste yes. than it is that they think of me as a do-gooder. Yes. Well, So does that make me a bad person? Because uh, you, are, you are a bad person. Well, um, so uh, am I now one of you? <laughs> Look, you can't just join up just like that, Jeff. Right? It takes a <laughs> lifetime. It takes a lifetime yeah. of, of roguishness, of roguish badness to to yeah. be qualified as that. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. designs to choose from. What 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 are the designs that you're passing on that you don't like? Does it do they represent the charity? I mean, they're not like cigarette packets, sort of advertising various cancers for cancer charities are they or is it what, what, what no no it's not like that it's not like a photograph of lungs and maybe with right. a bit of poly and tinsel right around the outside or it's, it's not just not doing or, that or thing shelter it'd be fine you put mary and joseph on advertising the homeless what is what's the issue what is the issue with the designs i mean Christmas they're, cards, ju- Christmas they're just cards. yeah but they're just not very tasteful the ones that i've seen you know they they've they've obviously because they're charities and they don't want to spend money uh, they've they've obviously got sort of second rate designers to do them. They're all a little bit twee. They look yeah. a bit dated. But, but that that is at the heart of, of the problem, now, isn't it? Because fundamentally, charity cards aren't as good because the private sector have got a lot more money to spunk on designers. So the only, <laughs> so the only way to improve charity cards is for the charity to spend more and hire better artists. And so the question is: Would you rather a charity spend? all their money on making pretty drawings to impress Jeff Lloyd or on finding a cure for cancer. What is your Christmas card policy? I'm going to send a, a Just Giving link, I think, by email saying this year I'm not sending cards and instead I'm asking all my friends <laughs> to donate £5 to a charity of my choosing. Uh, and that way I don't have to send any cards and everyone will be like wowed by my selfless generosity. <laughs> And and you won't even make them personalised anyway. You'll just sort of select all in your in- inbox. Yeah, it'll be hi you. <laughs> <laughs> Please find attached link. 
Doing Jimmy O'Young's side. <laughs> and I might, not, and I might some... not even, I might see the Just Giving page. Can you do a Just Giving page? I mean, I know you obviously can't use Just Giving to, to simply straightforwardly defraud people. But what is, can you, can, you, can you get the money to be set up? Does it have to go to a proper charity or can you set it up to like, um, I'm raising money? Because you can do it for I'm raising money to go on holiday, you know, like travelling to find my no, don't, Maybe not with just giving. You can do crowd, there is crowdfunding, but I don't think you can sort of crowdfund your own Christmas. You could just put your own sort code and bank details in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, or just helping, just a link to your PayPal. I'm helping out those in need at Christmas, and there's no one more in need than me at Christmas. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com Adrift. sound effects jeff lloyd annabelle port noises i noticed you were getting busy on the Facebook page the other day. I did, I did get a bit busy, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. It's part of a bit of an effort to engage more with the Facebook people. Is that the right word? Community. People. Community. I think. And how did it go for you? Brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. I did a poll. Results are not yet in, though. Okay. But mm. if you want to see what the poll is mm. and the results, maybe by the time this comes out, yeah, then yeah. go to our Facebook page. Um, I think it, I think you can get to it by going to facebook.com stroke happy, happy, happy. Mm-hmm. But um, if you search for our names on Facebook, we've got a, a page there and you can engage with it and have little conversations with other drifters yep. and us if you want to, or join in with Annabelle's poll. Mm-hmm. I put things up from time to time as well. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry about this cough. Mm-hmm. This is the trouble. <laughs> in the mornings, I'm less, it's as the evening goes on, uh, I get more coffee. It gets worse, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I should really... Plow on with this before I start mm. hacking up Qatar. <laughs> I went to, I, t- I talked about this on the radio, so apologies to anybody who was also listening to Radio 2 at about like half past two in the morning. In other words, it's very unlikely there'd be any crossover of audience. But I went to the uh, chemist the other day to buy cough medicine, and I always get nervous when I'm doing it because I never know which medicine is the right one for me. I never really know if my cough is chesty no, no. or tickly no. or dry or so on. I don't know either. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's very confusing. Uh, anyway, I found these cough pastels and they, they both had eucalyptus oil, pine oil and menthol in them. Mm. Same ingredients, same boxes, apart from one was red and one was green. And one said on it for mucus mm. and one said on it for catarrh. Prepare the same ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> but more, more, more than that, what is the difference between mucus and catarrh? Oh, I see. So I tried asking this on Radio 2. Now, mm. admitted, admittedly, it was on the prestigious midnight till three <laughs> shift, so it's not like it's peak audience. But still, it's the biggest radio station in Europe. All those A&E doctors, surely. <laughs> and the best answer I could get is um, catarrh is mucus in... Uh, I can't remember where it is now, but in your upper airways, a maybe. bit of the body. Or in your chair. I can't yeah. quite remember where it is. But I think maybe mucus can be anywhere, but guitar is in your throat. I don't but, it's, know. but it's still mucus. Yes. So it's the same thing, really. Mm. Anyway, why is I talking about that? 
Because you were the cu- I was coughing, of course, yeah. <laughs> and then what was the same before that? <sighs> it's, it escapes me. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a few. Th- oh, Facebook. That's what we were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So if you would like to um, join our Facebook page, I mean, it's not exclusive. There's no entrance exam. <laughs> we don't vet you. Is it There's, just open? Anyone can join. Yeah, it, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. We don't. You know, you don't have to be approved or anything. Okay. Uh, uh, look up our names on Facebook or facebook.com stroke happy happy happy. Um, so a couple of unrelated things. So I was in Manchester earlier today and something wondrous happened to me it's a christmas miracle yeah i was in there's a beautiful theater in manchester if people know it called the royal exchange and i was in the gift shop there browsing christmas presents mm. and the young woman from behind the counter approached me in such a way that i could tell she was going to speak to me quietly and i thought either she suspects me of shoplifting or maybe she's a fan of the podcast and wanted to tell me. Okay. And I got quite excited. Mm-hmm. And she comes over and she says, excuse me. I say, yes. I said, um, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you've got some toilet paper stuck to your <gasps> shoe. Oh. <laughs> and you went, yeah, supposed to be there. <laughs> it's part of the shoe. I just want to say this. This woman did it in such a brilliant way. Mm. I just thought she she really... Like, pitched it perfectly. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel embarrassing. What did feel embarrassing is she, I started to go to take it off and she said something, but I wasn't really paying attention. And then I could see she's gone back behind the counter and then just sort of a, a second too late process what she's just said. Mm. She said, I'll go and get some tissue paper so you can take it off. Uh, In other words, you can use it, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so you don't have to touch the toilet paper yourself. Like, before I processed that, I was already bent down taking it with my bare hands off my shoe because I'm not squeamish about that kind of thing. But she had a back to me. So then when I realised what was going on, I put it back under my shoe. You did it? Yeah. And then you took it off again with With the the Yeah, with the tissue paper. Yeah, because I didn't want it to think I was filthy. Well, there you go. Which I am, which I am. Um and then a couple of things like so I've been in Manchester so much recently. I feel that every week I've got something to say about being on a train, and this week is no exception. Uh, so I went out for this funeral on Friday. So I was wearing I didn't wear a football shirt in the end. Oh yeah, I didn't ask you. I wore a navy blue suit and a white shirt and a navy blue tie. Okay. And because uh, black didn't quite feel appropriate, because it didn't, you know, the, the family and friends didn't want it to be that type of funeral. Yeah, yeah. But for the reasons discussed last week, I felt a bit odd wearing a football shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though Tim offered to lend me one on Twitter, so thank you, Tim. Mm. Anyway, so the reason I mentioned this is I went to the buffet car and got a little veggie breakfast thing. And what I learned when I returned to my seat is even though I think I can be quite a pessimistic person, mm. I think at heart I am an optimist. Okay, because? Because despite decades of evidence to the contrary, I still thought I could open a sachet of brown sauce whilst wearing a white shirt <laughs> without getting any of it on me. Oh, that wonderful optimism you have. So sweet. I know. Every day of my life I spill oh. something on myself. And yet still, I think I can, you know, because that's a high wire act at the best of times, isn't it? Open a sachet of sauce. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, I've got yeah. some down my shirt. Yeah. The other thing that, I'd, uh, that happened on the train was, I mean, this could be a podcast in, in itself, things that happened to me on trains. But the... Um, 
the uh, the train manager, whatever you call it, the guard made an announcement, and the announcement went like this. Uh, he says, uh, "Just a reminder." Uh, about the quiet coach um it's all noise not just phones and electronic devices must be kept to a minimum right it made me really wish i was in the quiet coach because because what was happening in there so it's not about phones or people using the laptops to watch films like there must have been some kind of rowdiness going on in the quiet coach at 10 o'clock on a friday morning oh wow what was happening in there i want to go there now find out (laughs) go back in time and onto that coach jeff lloyd annabelle port if you get close enough you can taste the freshness it's time for the glap clinic here in problematic let us know if you have a social situation that you find yourself in and you need to know what the correct behavior is we will tell you okay the first one is from mademoiselle or madame what's what is it when it's mme Oh, uh, maybe that is Madame. I'm not I mean, sure. It might, been, it might well have been a title that I bestowed. I still don't know. <laughs> but anyway, MME Laureline. Right. Laureline. Yeah. I have a cleaner that comes around once a month to do the dusting. I'm pretty okay with the weekly vacuuming, but I hate dusting. Picking up things, having a wipe, putting things back is a chore too much and frequently doesn't get done despite my best efforts. So I have a cleaner who monthly spends three hours dusting and vacuuming. Not that that needs to be done. Cleaning the shower, toilets, etc. And for that, I give her around $90 plus $20 tip. She does a great job and I've been perfectly happy with this. Obviously, I feel totally guilty about the fact <laughs> I have to pay someone to clean the house, especially as I have to be at home when she comes. So sitting around while someone dusts my piano just feels wrong. <laughs> now, my sister-in-law is rather hard up, having a baby much earlier in her life plan than expected. And we help out buying clothes, lying to the village about her address in order to get the baby a free pre-kindergarten spot, etc. Now, my sister-in-law has discovered that I'm paying $110 a month and is suggesting that maybe I get rid of my cleaner and give her the $110 to do the cleaning. Every fibre of me is screaming that this is a bad idea. I'm happy with my cleaner. She does a good job. And for all I know, she too needs the money. Plus, there's the issue that what happens if the sister-in-law does a bad job? She may start off with best intentions. But what happens if six months down the line, she's finding dusting as horrible a task as I do? I would have to sack my sister-in-law. So, Jeff and Annabelle, how do I tell my sister-in-law that I'd rather stick with things the way they are? Yeah, I mean, absolutely not. It's a terrible idea. Getting the sister-in-law to do the cleaning. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I can't believe she even suggested that. Well, it sounds like she was hinting more than anything. Well, even if she hinted it, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's Suge- just completely she- inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for, for all the problems that have been discussed on this podcast by us and other people, your sort of etiquette about being around a cleaner and, you know, just sort of awkwardness that goes with that. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? That's hor- yeah, that's really awful. If yes. it was, you know, your, your sister-in-law. So, so it's absolutely not going to happen but how is she going to break the news then so you um sob story about the cleaner is the way oh, to go perfect yeah you want some you know yeah. this cleaner is they live in a bin live in a bin uh she she supports her parents and her grandparents who also live in the bin yeah yeah uh, she's yeah. got um six babies who live in the bin with her yeah yeah one of them has tb one of them has cholera yeah they don't have medical insurance i think laureline is in the united states am i right in thinking well, the dollars mentioned so yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean 
I, th- I think the, the she's she's not far from my mother-in-law, Lynn Barron. Oh. Mm. If it's it's Laureline I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, big, big sob story is is the way to go. I, they, I cannot, I'm, not, I won't, I'm not going to say anything because it's a yeah. brilliant answer. Yeah. I think it's exactly the way to go yeah. and that problem is solved. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to Will. A problem for your problematic, it relates to using public transport, which I know is Jeff's specialist subject. Yes. It's about the train station. Well, the, yeah, as, as you just heard me, you just heard me talk in a very compelling way about my recent train journey. <laughs> I've got to curtail that. I just want to say on behalf of, on behalf of, I just want to say to the podcast listener, I do, I am, I am aware that I've been droning on too much about being on trains recently. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is it the only time you leave the house? You get on a train. Kind of, and you yeah, know, with this podcast work. as well, you, you, it's all it's all about stuff that's happened mm. to us in real life. Mm-mm. And most of what I'm doing in real life at the moment is sitting on trains. Right. Well, there you go. But you know, I, yeah. I, I know that it. it Have needs... there been complaints? Is it? <laughs> There's been, been too no complaints heavy. yet. <laughs> okay. You're but pre- I can, you're I can feel. Yeah, I'm preempting it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is about a train station rather than a train. Mm. The train station near my house has benches split into four separate seats. Let's call the seats one, two, three and four. Seat one is labelled as a priority seat for those unable to stand, pregnant, etc. Trains can take a while to come, so if I can sit down, I usually do. However, I don't usually sit on seat one in case either a, a, to, so I can either prevent a disabled or pregnant person from using it, they don't want that to happen, or worse, stand up for someone who turns out not to be pregnant. One morning last week, I arrived on the platform just after a train had passed. There was just one person sitting on the bench, so three seats were free. But to my horror, that one person had sat in seat three. My choices were to either sit in seat one, the priority seat, otherwise choose seat two or seat four, both of which were next to the stranger. But it seemed weird to sit next to the stranger when seat one was free. Which should I choose? Sit apart from the stranger on the priority seat or sit next to them? Or should I stand awkwardly? Thanks in advance. Will, I'm, I've definitely, definitely experienced this. And yeah. I totally understand what you mean. I think not necessarily with the priority seat, but maybe there's been like some takeaway food like left on the one seat. So I haven't been to sit there, but then it felt too weird to sit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I end up just standing. I can't bear the thought of sitting directly next to someone because that feels too weird. I mean, you can, I, I think you can sit in the priority seat mm. as long as you are scanning the horizon for somebody who is needy of that seat. But he's terrified of getting it wrong, like offending someone oh. who's, who doesn't think they're old enough to have the seat or aren't pregnant. Like there are so many th- things you could get wrong. I know, but as I've said before, I mean, I think the feeling of being a hero outweighs... <laughs> outweighs it. I think the rule with the pregnant... I mean, where, where is Will? doesn't say oh because in london you've got the baby on board badges that they give out on public transport mm. and I, I really try and unless somebody is just no question about it pregnant uh I, t- I try and keep my eyes peeled for those badges what you could do is sit in the priority seat and then when it's obvious that someone needs a seat get up if it's not obvious um fake a phone call go oh i just need to move like just for some reason vacate the seat but not in an obvious way that is for them yeah yeah or just sort of yeah, i think you could do a there are many things you can do aren't mm. you can sort of convey with your face that you need to stretch your legs oh is that 
That's an interesting bird over there. Yeah, yeah, an interesting bird. Yeah, yeah. You want to go and look at the departures board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I mean, I think there's there's a solution in there somewhere, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll okay. do. There you go, Will. Uh, if you have a situation where you would like to know the correct behaviour, what the rules are, then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. I enjoyed that this week. Mm. Some great stories from uh, Drifters. Annabelle, your bits were fantastic. Thanks. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed getting our teeth into those quandaries there mm. on Quandary Corner. And apologies for my bits, you know, especially the, the train-related stuff. <laughs> Enough with the trains. <laughs> Nobody's saying that yet. Not yet, but, I mean, we're very, very close, aren't we? Maybe, maybe I'll, um, you know, re-take up my old hobby of train spotting. Maybe just take a coach next time. It's a bit of variety. <laughs> I told you I did have a very brief flirtation with train spotting. Oh, you did say. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of sort of heartbreaking in its yeah. way. But uh, I went to this school when I was eleven, which was nobody else from my primary school went there. And uh, my dad said to me, "Well, you know, if you want to make friends, why don't you join a club?" So I thought, "Yeah, I'll do that." And out of all the different sort of clubs or after school things that it was possible to to join i chose train spotting oh. why trains why did i think joining a train spotting club would make me more popular <laughs> rather than less it's nice that you weren't aware of the stigma though no i wasn't yeah 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 we went on a, i mean i wasn't in it for long i think it was only maybe a month or something mm. but in that time we went on a trip to crew and to birmingham new street well, i can see now why train you spotting well, you don't go out of the station. You just stand on the platform oh, with your little book, right. ticking off the trains. Anyway, uh, so, so that was the podcast. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers. Announcers. And <laughs> made our idents. Uh, Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. And uh, Annabelle, mm. you've been touching yourself throughout <laughs> this entire show. Adrift. Adrift. Podication's what you need if you want to be a record breaker. I hope we don't get uh, sued by the estate of Roy Castle. God, that'd be really bad. Uh, not not just because I murdered that rendition of record breakers, <laughs> but I mean copyright reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to be careful with music and podcasts. This comes from Rebecca Hindle, who says, Ha-hoy, Jeff and Annabelle. Ha-hoy. Ha-hoy. I'm a long-time listener, Pete and Jeff days. Wow, that is long time. Mm, very. Pete has a significant birthday this week. Mm-hmm. So you're getting this on the Wednesday. We're recording it on the Monday. Tomorrow is a significant birthday for Pete. I will say no more. No. Um, 
which shows how I've matured over the years, doesn't <laughs> Very it? Very much so. Well done. Uh, and third time podcaster. The last time I asked for one was when you were finishing the old radio show when I was recovering from ovarian cancer and you kept me smiling. Um, please, can I get a podification for a few people I know who listen to the podcast? Yes, I know at least three other people that wow. listen to you. Firstly... Can I send a podification to my good friend at work, Queen Eileen Fergus, and her daughter, Laura Fergus? Laura. Lovely, lovely Laura. Yeah. I was only thinking about Laura the other day. I think I saw somebody who looked like her, and I was thinking, when Laura's getting on? Um, Rebecca says, I know they're going through a tough time at the moment, and that the mediocre musings of a drift will put a smile on their faces. Well, I hope so too. And, you know, uh, Laura, if you are listening to this, like you often put pop into my mind and yeah. I know you've not had a great time of it so uh, all our love Can you, I'm going oh. I'm going <laughs> jeez um, secondly can I send a notification to my daughter Lizzie Wells Bauer I tried for years to get her to listen to the radio podcast, but to no avail. However, I think I finally ground her down and she started listening to Adrift. Yes. Yes. I think I've converted her. I tweeted Annabelle a picture of a post-it note she put in New York Public Library saying she was reading Annabelle versus the internet. It was in the New York Public Library. That's exciting. Yeah, it was amazing. That's a beautiful building. Is it? Oh, Mm. good. God, yeah. Um... When my wife and I, now wife and I, were courting, mm. um, I think like on the odd occasion I'd go and sit in there and do a little bit of work. Lovely. While she was otherwise occupied in this beautiful building. Um, and she used to do, there is a park just behind the library. I, I forget the name of it. Um, but Sarah used to do, like, <laughs> this is a weird thing. She used to do an annual outdoor adult musical chairs event. Oh, okay. In that park. Yeah. yeah. That sounds fun. It was fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll do that for Lizzie. And uh, Rebecca says, keep up the work. It's great to know that I'm not the only socially awkward person trying to bumble through life without drawing attention to myself. Thanks. Oh, she sent a postscript as well, which you don't have. But she, she now knows, this was sent a few months ago, this po- this publication, and she now knows another person who listens to the podcast, Mr. Matt Perry. So she knows four separate people who listen. This is amazing. I mean, that must be some kind of record. I think it might be. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Dudley says, hello, Annabelle and Jeff. Hello. hello. I've upped my Patreon to £2 just to get in on all the extras. Mm. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yes. Really appreciate it. Um, that's great. Uh, definitely well there will be another extra coming your way very soon Uh, definitely worth it as your podcast keeps me feeling sane or at least comforted that there are other drifters out there like me trigger warning for Jeff you may not want to read on or see the photo I've not included the photo don't worry (laughs) is it something that would make me squeamish yeah I think a little I don't know you might be alright I think you might have got better over the years Mm -hmm. anyway you'll be fine uh, you may remember that a while back I wrote a bloodification for my friend Duncan. Oh, no, I'm not great with this stuff mm. at all, actually. Uh, I promised to get him better than I was 15 years yeah. ago, but, uh, you know, not, Still not yeah. good. Okay. Um, I promised to give a pint of blood on his behalf because he was unable to donate himself after receiving a blood transfusion after an accident. Unfortunately, when I went to donate the last two times, I went due to um, low iron. Sorry. Unfortunately, when I went to donate the last two times, I went due to low iron in my blood. I think she meant to say that she wasn't able to donate the last right, two yeah, times. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I don't know 
what happened there, but I, I'm <laughs> sure I'm to blame. Okay. Right. So my previous pontification was preemptive and pointless. However, I went yesterday, and thanks to the power of shreddies, I was finally able to donate. So my 13th pint of blood donated is on behalf of Duncan and attached as a photo of, as proof. So, yeah, th- thanks for sparing me that, Annabelle. Mm. But brilliant. So great that you've done it. Mm. Uh, talking to the nurses at the donation centre, we discussed how it's often those that have received blood in the past that would like to donate but can't. So I would like to take this opportunity to ask if those that have received blood could ask on social media if there are any friends willing to donate on their behalf. Blood stocks are always low over winter, and what better gift than potentially saving someone's life? I'd like to wish all drifters the very best wishes. Uh, They all bring so much joy into my ears. Sir Sarah. Mm. Um, That's a good title. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I I mean, I do feel awful because of my phobia. I don't donate blood. Like, I'm very, you know, I I do have a lot of uh, guilt about that. Mm. But let's let's just all take a moment to think, if you're not phobic, then why not give some blood? As Cesara says, makes a big difference. It's important this time of year. But you're not needle phobic. No, but I've got very uh, low blood pressure. And the times that I've done to donate for, I've fainted and they've like had to, it's taken some more effort for them to have to deal with me fainting than like, <laughs> actually getting the blood. But you know what? I haven't tried again for ages. I'm sure I'm better now, so I'm going to do it. I've got very high blood pressure. What would happen mm. to me? I don't know. Maybe it'd just be spurting out. I don't know. <laughs> like uh, a fire hydrant in the summer in an American film with all the kids playing in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be fun. Save it for the summer for everyone to cool down. In uh, but no, I mean, it's a, a very important thing to do. And I, as I say, I feel bad that I don't do it. Um, but I, I do have a phobia. If anybody, like, I just, just want to put this out there. If there are any anaesthetists listening... And you would be willing to give they're me not, gas. Not, although you want to be put under to give blood. Yeah, I mean, not with the needles. That would be right. counterproductive. But, yeah. um, <laughs> of course, yeah. you know, if, if you want to give me the gas mask, I, I would give blood under general anaesthetic. Oh, okay. Wow. I've got no fear about gas. I'm not sure they do that. But anyway. No, but I just, you know, it's, as I say, I feel guilty. And this comes from Amanda Smithers. He says, hey, Jeff, Annabelle and fellow drifters, I'd love a podication for my super duper awesome boyfriend, Ian, who for the past eight years, I've no idea how he's put up with me. We're both drifters, but I'm definitely a more experienced drifter and avoid social interaction whenever I can. Ian is a triathlete and had qualified to race for Great Britain this year in a duathlon. Have you Whoa. heard of one? Of That's right. Uh, after many a duathlon. I'd never heard of a duathlon. No, I haven't. Heard of That's how unsporty I am. Yeah. Uh, after many years of hard training and dedication, but whilst out cycling at the end of the summer, he was knocked off his bike and broke his hip. This has meant no more getting up at 4.30am to train before work, going to the gym at lunch, and generally being outside doing what he loves, even though most of us wouldn't want to get up at that time to exercise. So the poor guy has been stuck indoors with me, but he's still making me smile. He may not be able to run, swim or cycle, but this means he's able to stay awake later at night so that when we play your podcast in bed, he doesn't fall asleep like he used to and he will actually hear the podications. Um, if it's a duathlon, doesn't he just need to do two of the above? I mean, not that he can anyway. Mm-mm. So it's triathlon, run, swim and cycle. Yeah. So did you just pick two for a duathlon? What, why are you asking me? I don't know. No idea. Uh, He doesn't like praise, but he really deserves it. So please, 
tell him I love him millions and that I'm super proud of him for getting on with his exercises and working from home full time and a Merry Christmas to the man whom I love so very much. Aww. Great guy. Great guy, Ian. Ian, and, and how, and how uh, great to be loved by Amanda in that way. Yeah. I'm just trying to find my phone. Uh, if I can't, if I can't find it in the next few seconds, well, oh here it is. Mm. It just reminded me of something. So, guess where I went on Saturday morning? Where to do a park run? You did not. Well, I kind of didn't. So let me let me explain. Mm. Um, so the other podcast, Reasons to Be Cheerful, which I host with Ed Miliband, mm. um, we are going to be doing an episode on the park run, which is, is a phenomenal event. It happens all over the country. There are hundreds of these things. And in fact, it happens in other countries as well now. And people get together. I think usually on a weekend morning to run in a park together. It brings people from different, you know, communities and walks of life together. No money changes hands. It's people are just doing it for the love of it. Right. And uh, my my colleague on the other podcast, Ed, is really into the idea of different types of people coming together and mixing. Right. Now, I like the idea of it for people, mm. but just not for myself because I don't really want to be mixing for, with people. Right. Because so he's very extroverted. He gets energised by the company of other people. Whereas I, like you, am quite introverted and I get exhausted. Like I like people, Mm-mm. but I mean, I, I find it very draining as a lot of people listen to the podcast, I'm sure will do. So anyway, um, we, he, he decided that we should go to one of these things and record some interviews with people. So I thought, oh, that's great. We'll turn up, watch some people run, record some interviews. He says he's going to pick me up at 8.30 Saturday morning. Right. It's a bit early, right? Yeah. So at 20 past eight, the alarm goes off, I brush my teeth, I, like, I throw on my trousers and a shirt, and then uh, the doorbell rings. I go downstairs, and there is Ed Miliband dressed in some very figure-hugging exercise clothes. No. Is he expecting you to do the same? So, uh, But I don't have exercise clothes because no, I don't not. exercise. So, so I then have to come back upstairs. I borrow a pair of my wife's jogging bottoms. Oh, God. I find an old sort of fleece sports top that I bought in Sweden once and some trainers that I literally haven't worn in seven or eight years. Yeah. Would you like to see the photo oh, of the two of us? So much, so much so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys, you look like, who are those two brothers that like did that like, running race together? The Brownlee brothers. <laughs> You look like the Brownlee brothers, like staggering over that finish line together, too. That is amazing. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that that uh, brought brought up memories of Saturday morning, mm. and and you know, I did a light jog for about the first hundred meters. Well done. This is on Saturday. Yeah. It's it's now oh, no, Monday. Kidding. Monday you're, evening. You're still hurt. I am so stiff. Yeah. We walked around one lap of the course, so, so it's five kilometres in total. We'd, and I am a walker. I, I really love walking, and I, you know, I, I can go for ages. But I am so so stiff. Wow, I know. That's a bad sign. This is, and I think the email from Amanda proves it. Nothing good ever comes of exercise. Yeah, true. Yeah. So there we go. There's podications. Amanda Smithers uh, podicated to, um, to, uh, to. I want to say Duncan. Am I right? Ian. Ian. I was thinking of Ian Duncan Smith. Right, okay. I don't know why I thought Duncan. Uh, sorry, Ian. And then uh, also from Sarah Dudley, 
to Duncan. Oh, where she mentions a right. friend Duncan, doesn't she? That's what yeah, you're yeah, okay. Yeah. I hadn't just plucked that. That makes out more of sense now. That okay. It is weird that neither of us remember that we just said the name Duncan. Well, I think we. When I said it, you didn't go. No, no, we just said <laughs> we were talking about a Duncan a minute true, ago. True, true. You you acted as if you well, hadn't heard that name know, for years. I know, I know, I know. God, we're so rubbish, the pair of us. Uh, I blame it for those years when we did a breakfast show; it affected our memory permanently. Yeah. Yep. And uh, from Rebecca Hindle to uh, to a few different people. Our friends, and um, it'd be lovely to see you guys again at some point. Eileen Fergus, Queen Eileen Fergus and Laura. Uh, to Lizzie Wells-Bauer, who's Rebecca's daughter. And um, there was somebody else oh, on the postscript, Matt wasn't it? Matt Perry. So you remembered that. Yeah, yeah. Well it's because he's got the same name as somebody off telly, isn't yeah, well, that's it? That's exactly why, yeah. If you would like a podication, then uh, email us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.